The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. are listening to the Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. Welcome to episode number one of the Paradise Arcade. That's so weird. Isn't it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's a more manageable number to remember when we're doing new episodes. That's, that's definitely true. Here is episode one. So this is our first show of the new podcast that we're focusing Primarily on synthwave music and culture, which, gee, surprise, is kind of what we've always done anyways. Uh, but That's what you guys like. It's what you like. So we'll give you more. Yeah, we'll give you more. We'll focus more on that. So uh, this episode, we have our Watch Out for Snakes interview, which is uh, pretty great. That actually runs uh, quite a bit of time, and mostly it's Matt talking. And not either one of us, so it's impressive. There, yeah, there you go. If you it's, don't like listening to us, I don't know what you're doing here, but well, <laughs> it's a good interview for you. Yeah, I'm just saying it's mostly a one-sided interview because he could, you know, he went for it. So I'm happy about that. Uh, we'll talk about some of the news, things going on, and uh, you know, this week we're drinking, but it's not that important, and we're not doing any of this stuff. We're just drinking whisk. I feel pretty good about it. Drinking whiskey, doing a show. There you go. That's it. That's all you're going to hear about it. Yeah, it's amazing. So um, as far as social media and all that stuff goes, pretty much everything has been flipped over. So Instagram is Paradise Arcade. Uh, Twitter is Paradise underscore Arcade. But if you just type in the Paradise Arcade, you'll find it on Twitter. There's a Facebook. I had to start a brand new Facebook page, which is a bunch of hot bullshit. Sure, that was easier than trying to change an existing one. Yeah, they wouldn't. I mean, they just said like because it was it's one thing it would be considered falsifying or misleading any potential people. So I just had to start a new one. So is it Paradise Arcade or the Paradise it's Arcade? The, the so the. Instagram the. The Paradise Arcade, yes. Uh, find it there. Uh, it's already upticked pretty well, so I'm, I'm happy people have pretty much latched onto it right away. So thanks for those uh, you know, early adopters and, and converts from the old uh, Instagram account. Um, and then Patreon has been updated as well, the all-important money-begging portion of the, of the show. Money-begging? Money-begging. Money-beggins. It's my new name. It's my DJ name. So, anyways, lots of stuff there. People were actually asking, um, you do not have to change any of your subscriptions uh, for your RSS feeds or anything like that uh, because uh, the accounts have just been switched over, so you uh, won't have to do anything. Also, all the old episodes will be there for you to listen to, so if you want to go back and listen to any of the old Two Poor Bastards episodes it's still there, which the crazy thing is, like, people take the journey every single day through that the run of that show. So 
Thanks for those who are... Got a lot of content. A lot of content for y'all. Thanks for going through it and latching on to it. Um, really, really appreciate that. And obviously, we have uh, a lot of our old Synthwave uh, interviews there. And you know, I'm really happy that we ended with the Droid Bishop interview. That seems like the perfect ending of that particular uh, era. Ended in a high note. Transition into a new thing. So... Uh, what's going on right now? We've got the Blood Music. I'm not sure if this is the final sale because I thought the final, the sale before was the final sale. That was the final rarities oh. sale. So this is just a, a blowout sale. And after this sale is done, prices will go back up. So it's not like this is it. I, it could be. I'm still confused. And maybe I know that Z could probably answer this. Uh is blood music going away or he's, or is the, he's just trying to clear out inventory just does not hold on to a bunch of shit. I don't think they're going to be doing much for releases anymore after the year. I mean, it's, it's sad. Cause I feel like blood is, it holds a very particular like fondness for me. And as far as Synthwave and dark wave goes, so it's, it's sad to see that go but i get you know people got to do different things there's like a new synthwave record label popping up every other day it seems like so uh there's no shortage of, who are these labels <laughs> i they pop up my feed i want to know are they well of course i'm like instantly thinking are they releasing vinyl but it could be anything else yeah i mean it could literally be in you know they could um, just do be digital only, really, which would be kind of weird. Why would you even be a record label if you only release digital stuff only? How that works? I'm not really sure. I don't know. But it's sometimes I like forget about stuff like uh, laser discs because mm-hmm. they don't do vinyl. And are they? No, they do their own. They do their own stuff. So they do not like CDs, cassettes, that kind of thing. And I know like. Electronic purification records, like with um, Robert Parker's Awakening, like on the back of that, it says, you know, uh, laser discs and that because they released it. I need a copy of that. You do. You do need a copy. Keep an of eye that. out. Anyone in the interwebs, keep an eye out for me. I need that on vinyl specifically. Because I keep seeing it pop up as like CD and the other. I'm like, uh-uh. Yeah. I think there's a splatter and a black version. I have the black version. That's what I wanted. Do you have any preference? I don't give a shit. You just want it on vinyl. It That's it. On vinyl. Okay. That's all that matters to me. It doesn't sound like shit. That's also the secondary important thing to me. That's This is also, yeah, this is a good thing. <laughs> hey, if we want something on vinyl, we'll put it out there. Hit us up if you've got one for sale or trade. <laughs> yeah. Hit us up, too, if you've got something that you might want to trade, and we might have something that we could work out. I just want to let you know that Kyle pretty much has most of everything, and you're pretty open to trading. So you just you put a feeler out there, the full extent of the jam on Instagram, if you want to trade vinyl with this boy. Or my Synthwave account, V5, which is spelled kind of fucked up. I should probably make it easier for people to find... But you know what I noticed is that you're starting to put vinyl back on your regular account. <coughs> Excuse me. Video game vinyl mm. is usually what I post on my 
regular account because that's more video game centric. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I I don't know. I thought I I broke off and made a separate one because I thought people were getting bummed out because I was posting a bunch of vinyl all the time. I've been thinking maybe I should put it all back on one account. I don't know. I think you should do it all on one. I mean, it's all heavy. Is there any significant change for your V5E whatever the fuck thing? Yeah. Well, you know, it's I, there's a decent amount there, but I've noticed that I've gotten more followers on my regular account since I stopped doing that. Oh well, then shit. Maybe maybe that's your 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 passion page where you just have that and let the vinyl nerds be up on that. Also, uh, Time Slaves has got a Black Friday deal going on there, so that's pretty cool. I mean, tis the season. And they put out a Virgin Black Vinyl 3-pack special, which they said was available for a short amount of time. And it had Lucy in Disguise, Sebastian Gample, and one other artist on that for a special price. So you can get that. I was wondering if uh, Laser Steel was going to get that package, but I haven't heard of anything yet. I think this sale might count just for what you can get from Time Slaves themselves. Gotcha. Not from our U.S. distributor. Oh, you little toesy action going yeah. on. <laughs> let's, let's play some footsie. Uh, the problem, as always, it's like there's too much shit to keep track of. Too many vinyl releases. And I don't have enough money. That's... Tell me about it. Or things you have to buy again. How do like... you... <laughs> what? Well, uh, Client Liaison did a repress of um, Diplomatic Immunity. So I had to get that because the first pressing had a bunch of issues. So it's two two discs in this set. And pretty much everyone's first disc was wildly warped, like really bad. And mine's bad, like to the point where I'm scared to even play it. And it's on the outside edge of the first disc. And the problem is, is that my favorite songs are on the outside edge oh, of bummer. both of those sides of that first disc. So when I saw this repress happen, I had to buy that instantly. And it's coming from Australia. So one, it's expensive as it is for the vinyl. And then two, you have to pay for international EMS shipping. So the shipping was like 20 some dollars. Dude, fucking getting into this vinyl game, the international shipping shit is just awful. But then again, I feel really bad. And I always have because I see the fans from Australia is complaining about no matter where they're buying shit from, they get screwed with shipping prices. Yeah, so. they live in Australia and that's that's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then there was the recently conclusion of the Neon Rose Fest. Neon? Yeah, Neon Rose Fest. Uh the two concert two city Synthway Festival, Portland and Seattle, uh which what it looks like was a, a smashing success. Pretty much anyone of anyone was there and our boy watch out for snakes was part of that whole deal too. Uh, and it looked pretty fantastic. And it's interesting to me that we seem to be getting more of these kinds of festivals, con- congregation of things. It's probably the only way to really get a big draw in reality for synthwave. Cause if you smash, cause it wasn't like 
15 high mid to high profile artists on that roster i'm not sure how many but there were very big names there tokyo rose which i said before earlier in the previous podcast that we had (laughs) was my synthwave artist of the year for 2019 oh yeah and makeup and vanity set was there lucy in disguise was there watch out for snakes like you said is there lots of hotness uh um fuck robert parker wasn't he there or no not that i know of here I, just for my own um we're gonna fact fact check and we're looking it up right now so uh dream reaper michael weber lucy in disguise Makeup of Vanity set, Betamax. Ah, but yes, Betamax. I forgot about that. Uh, Psych. Dead Royalty. DJ Moontalk. Knight Rider. System 96. Yeah. And I thought Nina was part of this. I guess I was wrong, maybe. It's hard. It's hard. Like, there's a lot of shit. What I'm... There's Helsinki, Neon Rose, Atlanta, Echo Synthetic. And I thought that there was like maybe one more. So it's it's really cool. Um So I, I like that. We'll see what this kind of turns into. What are your thoughts? Cause this is this like a newer thing versus like even three, four years ago? I don't know. The Pacific Northwest has been doing stuff. They seem to get a lot of the shows, and it creeps down to like San Francisco as well for a lot of these big shows. The scene's out there. The people are out there, so they can obviously do it. Mm -hmm. I wish I was out there so I could see these things. Well, you know, there there are talks of of bringing a, a festival to the Midwest, if you will. Of a larger caliber of Midwestival. We're gonna have a Midwestival of synthwave folks. Maybe we'll see. Uh, early stage of talks about that, but I'd like to see something again in the center of the United States or middleish, and see what that uh, what we could do for that. That'd be really cool. Um, I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break real quick and play some. Watch out for snake songs, and uh, we'll be right back. Uh, thank you, Matt. Watch out for snakes. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Amazing. So you just got back or had a little um, downtime from touring. You want to tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure. Um, so I, I won't like go all the way back, but... Uh, but Glitch Black reached out to uh, myself and Gregorio Franco a number of months ago and was interested in trying to put something together um, with the three of us just to kind of make our own opportunities, see some places that we hadn't seen before. And so, um, you know, credit to him for doing a lot of the coordination um, that, you know, we would typically be relying on a label or, uh, you know, a booking agent to to take care of Um uh, Glitch Black really kind of did the lion's share of things in terms of setting things up um, and uh, really created some cool opportunities for us. Um, we got to 
travel out uh, out west uh, by way of the southern U.S. And uh, uh, Gregorio and I uh, just kind of hopped in a car, met up with Glitch Black and Baton Rouge, and then uh, played a couple of dates out to uh, the west coast. Um, and then kind of made our way up as far as San Francisco and then turned around and came back down um, almost the same way that um, we went out, but hitting up some different cities along the way. Um, and it was, it was just a really good time. Um, you know, some of the, the cities were, were real surprises to me in a good way. Um, I really uh, was pleasantly surprised with a lot of our turnouts and, and, you know, not every show is going to be perfect, but um, even the shows where we had, um, you know, a, a smaller number of people coming out, those smaller number, um, they were all like super devoted and really into it. And, um, it was just a, a really great experience getting to meet a lot of these people that um, we've only really had the opportunity to interact with online. So, um, so yeah, it was just really, it was really cool. I would definitely do it again. Um, and, uh, you know, already starting to try and plan something um, uh, in a, cu a couple of different places. Um, you know, we hit the West Coast. It would be nice. Um, and in my opinion, like if I could get up to the Northeast and, and, you know, I've also got my, my sights set on Europe at some point. Um, but I don't know whether, <laughs> whether logistically I'm really ready for that or not. So in this last tour, what city went the hardest? Which one surprised you uh, most? So, I mean, I would say Dallas really surprised me the most in, in a good way. Um, I, I really wasn't sure what the, what the scene was going to be like in Dallas um, and it, it turned out to, to be great. Um, Dallas, um, and I'm just going to compare it to Nashville just cause that's the, the only kind of similar experience that I've had personally before, but it was very similar to Nashville where, um, there were uh, a bunch of venues along this one strip and, uh, people would just kind of walk along outside. And if they, they saw something or heard something that, that they, uh, thought was cool, they would just come on in and, and hang out and, and, and just really kind of throw down with us. So, um, so we, I mean, we had a good amount of people that, that showed up at the start, but as the, the evening wore on, um, and maybe this is a testament to the show presence that, that the three of us had, but we were able to kind of convince people in off the street and, you know, they see uh, Glitch Black jumping around in his costume and he's got like the cool visuals and, and Gregorio's, you know, getting dark with it and, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of, definitely has a mystique to him and then i, I do my whole kitar shtick so which is awesome um, i think that yeah well thank you <laughs> yeah uh, everybody seemed to to get down on it there and so it turned out to be one of um one of the surprises for me so have you is this your like first touring experience or how long have you been doing music and this is just kind of prelude into another question but anyway sure yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've been playing music for a long, long, long time. Um, I think my first band was probably in 2000, 2003. Um, and I started out in a hardcore band in Florida, which is where I grew up. Yeah. Um, and uh, was playing keyboards in that hardcore band uh, because it was kind of that like melodic hardcore period of time where Under Oath was starting to blow up a little bit and and people were experimenting a little bit more, bringing electronics into that scene. And, um, and so I 
I think as early as that, um, you know, I, I was kind of rocking a guitar there, which, you know, it was, it was almost a necessity because all the other guys um, in that hardcore band were throwing down on these like sick basement and floor shows. And I had to keep up with them um, and not kind of like anchor myself behind a, a stationary keyboard at the back. So it was really initially just to kind of like keep up with them. Or keep um, your shit and, from getting broken. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's yeah, a, there were def- definitely some times where like the pit, like at the floor shows would knock into into my keyboard and I'd have to, I'd be playing playing the part with one hand and like like trying to hold it down onto the stand with the other so that it didn't fall off. So, um, so anyways, yeah. So um, I played in that band for a couple of years. And then um, when I moved here to Atlanta um, around, I guess it was 2006 or so, um, uh, I played in kind of, we described ourselves as like a synth punk band um, but again, you know, was kind of doing this, it was, it was kind of like an indie rock thing, but I was still sporting the guitar there too. Um, so that, that thing's really kind of like followed me through all my projects just cause it was one of those things where once you get a small taste of being able to move around on stage and, and really engage the audience, um, that way it, it's really hard to go back to just kind of standing in one spot and, and not being able to work people, um, in the crowd. So um, really, you you came into this project fairly well prepared. Then I mean, going to the tour and going in what you're doing and being on stage, you were you knew what yeah. to expect and you knew how to how to engage the audience. Then exactly, yeah. I mean, I've I've would say that the majority of my experience, well, so yeah, I've, I've had experience across the the two diff- those two different earlier projects, but. But um, I really didn't tour in the hardcore band. We, we played mostly local shows in Florida because it's hard to get out of Florida when you're living in central Florida. It takes like yeah. like four, four to five hours just to get to Georgia um, from That's the stretch. area that we were in. Yeah. So, uh, but with that that indie rock project, we we toured the East Coast a couple of times, um, went up, um, you know, to, to New York and Boston and kind of made our way over to Chicago. And, and we did that a couple of years in a row and, Played a couple of dates on Warp Tour. Um, there which you go. Was Sweet. Fun. Respect. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I was kind of coming into it with with eyes open in terms of you know what the tour could be like, and uh, I, I think that's part of the reason why I was I was really um, you know pleasantly surprised about um, how it went because we we never really had a, a bad turnout in any of the cities that we hit with Dark Future. Yeah, and I, you know, the, the question I was kind of, uh, you know, uh, initially alluding to is, you know, what's the response with this project? Has there been uh, much more of a of a fan engagement and reaction versus your other projects that you've done in the past? Um, it's it's hard to say. I mean, this is really my first solo project that I've done, um, and it's definitely a different experience when you're in a full band because then you know, everybody in the band is, is kind of working to promote and, and bring people out and, and do all that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I would say that, you know, this project, uh, I think is, is unique to me because it's really the first time that this, this is really like my music and, and everything about, um, how I approach watch out for snakes is exactly how I want it to be. I don't have to kind of run things past, uh, a couple of other bandmates, which, right. um, which is really nice, um, having that level of creative control, 
And I'm kind of at a point in my life where I'm pretty comfortable with, um, you know, the kind of music that I want to play and, and what I'm into and how I want to write. And so I, I don't really, um, I don't really feel pressured in any way to, to have watch out for snakes be something that I don't want it to be, right. um, which is, is a very freeing kind of experience. And I'll say, I mean, I really like both your albums, like they're, they're bangers, um, you know, and kind of what I've noticed is like a lot of these, you know, people where you've, you've been in bands before, like, you know, there's a lot of people that we've talked to in, in, in Synthwave General where they come from bands and they do the solo project and uh, kind of rolling all of that experience into this, the new thing. Um, and I really like Scars. It's a really great album, actually. And um, on the strength of that, like, what has been the response? Like, has there been like a noticeable difference between the first album and the second album? Uh, yeah, I would say that it's been overwhelmingly more positive um, with the release of Scars. And uh, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily because people like the music better. I think it's it, it's kind of difficult to tell because I, when I released Upgrade, I, I really didn't do a whole lot of pre-planning for it. And, and when I realized that, um, you know, I was getting ready to play Outrun the Sun, um, like earlier in the spring, or I guess it was like kind of early summer of last year, um, I, I kind of had to accelerate things and, um, and go ahead and release, release it digitally without having physical copies of it available. And, um, so it was, it was definitely felt like more disorganized to me in terms of how I approached kind of the planning of the album release. Whereas with, with scars, you know, I've kind of learned from a lot of the, the mistakes that I made, um, that time around and, uh, and have been able to kind of get ahead of, of some of the, the gotchas that I know are coming. Right. So, I, you know, it's, it's been a much smoother experience for me. And I think it's, it's, it's been more of a, a quick build um, with scars, whereas like upgrade, you know, it was kind of like a slow, gradual gaining of fans um, as people just kind of happened across it. But because there wasn't kind of like a big like release date um, around it, it made it difficult for me to to you know really build some buzz around it. Yeah, there's a, there's a stark contrast between being in a band and doing everything yourself, and and that growth of like you're the promoter, you're the writer, you're the, you're the booking agent, you're the, you're everything. And, and to me, like when I, you know, look at what you're doing through Twitter and, and the other outlets, like, it seems like, you know, you really have it down. You're really engaging and, and putting videos up there and putting yourself out there. So, I mean, obviously it's having an effect. Um, so do you have a, a particular influence overall? I mean, I'm really curious how you got into, into your music or what influenced you to go where you are now? Yeah. Um, a lot of it. So I, I kind of approached Synthwave from kind of a different, different place than I think a lot of other artists did because I, I honestly didn't know that Synthwave as a genre even existed until I was getting ready to release upgrade. And, and then I was just kind of like, <laughs> Oh, that, this is really cool. Like I, there's kind of already a built in audience for this whole like retro wave, um, influenced uh style of music um but i i kind of um in that previous indie rock project that i left um 
when when we broke up, uh, myself and then the bassist from that group started writing a bunch of uh, songs for what was originally going to be uh, like a two piece project that we were working on. And and he and I were both like very influenced by uh, Block Party and a, a lot of other uh, like British indie rock bands that kind of go for a more kind of minimalistic sound. Um, same thing, like, you know, we, we listened to a lot of like Canadian music too. Um, like we are wolves was kind of a big influence for me. Um, just kind of listening to the way that, that they, they constructed their songs from very like minimal synth sounds. And, um, and that was always something that I found challenging in previous projects is trying to figure out what my sound was going to be because I mean, with electronic music, you can make it sound however you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people may find that super freeing, but (laughs) I would get kind of bogged down in the sound design to the degree where um, I just wouldn't have any energy left for writing melodies and, and actually doing the songwriting itself. And, uh, and so one of the, one of the decisions that I made early on um, when uh, that bassist and I were kind of starting our project is that I was going to kind of uh, go very minimal with the synth, similar to some of the, the you know, musical groups that we were listening to at the time. Um, and then as I kept going more and more minimal, I kind of realized that, well, this is starting to sound like, like video game music. And wouldn't it be cool if, if I basically just took elements of chiptune and, and started doing that with, you know, within this project. And, and that's, that's kind of like how I arrived with the, that idea of doing the, the retro gaming um, type thing. And, and then when the, when the bassist left, um, he, you know, he had some other commitments and wasn't able to rehearse or, or, um, you know, just really kind of participate to the degree that he wanted to in the project. That's where I decided, okay, well, I'm just going to go and do a solo thing and, and take the, take the same idea that we had, but because, you know, I don't play guitar, um, you know, I, I decided that I was going to make it more of an electronic thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was really kind of, um, you know, it, the inception of it kind of came out of these, this idea of like, Oh, Hey, you know, I want to make, make music that's video game inspired, like kind of soundtrack, uh, um, you know, influenced and, and then actually do it in kind of a melodic way, because I still, I still enjoy writing melodies and, and having a song structure and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's how Watch Out for Snakes came to be. Well, I have to ask the burning question now (laughs) is how did you come upon the name? Uh, so it's actually probably not as interesting as, as uh, you might think. Uh, I'm a huge Mystery Science Theater 3000 mm, fan. Okay. You're, and yeah, that's where I yeah. thought it was coming from. I was going to ask you yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think I had kind of bandied about a couple of different ideas at one point, And I had kind of a journal of like, hey, here's some, some different project ideas uh, or project name ideas that I could I could use at some point down the line and I was kind of going through all of them and the, I had written down watch out for snakes uh, at some point in the past, because that's one of my favorite callbacks from, from the show uh, mystery science theater. And uh, I got to give it, it just kind of, that. yeah, we're, we're in <laughs> MS 
T3K land, just so you know. So. Oh yeah, yeah, Min- Minnesota and, exactly. and yeah, the Twin Cities. So. Yeah. So speaking deeply to us yeah, right now. You just you hit it. You hit it for us. So I was hoping that's what it was a callback to. So I appreciate. Yeah, that's respect. you know. Oh, I was just going to say that's that's definitely one of my favorite callbacks from from the show. Like I've got a, a bunch of different favorite episodes. It's always hard for me to to decide which one I like the most. But um, but the whole watch out for snakes callback that they they keep bringing back from episode to episode is definitely um, tops for me. So you're talking about being influenced by, you know, chiptune video game music. Was there a particular you know, video game that you grew up with or a particular time that really spoke to you? Um, so, I mean, my first system was original Nintendo. Um, and that's kind of where I think a lot of the nostalgia for, for the, the chip sounds that I, I currently use comes from because all, all the sounds that I use are synthesized from that original like Nintendo um, chipset. Um, and so that's, that's where I think that, um, piece of things comes, comes from. But as far as the game that I feel like had the most influence on me, it would probably be, um, Final Fantasy three, um, when it was released in the U S like back in the day, I think it's, what is it? Final Fantasy six now. Yeah. So, um, I, I have a distinct memory of sitting down after playing through that game and feeling so emotionally like moved by the soundtrack, um, especially like that main title in the game that I sat down at my family's piano and, and spent time picking out um, and scoring um, the, the actual soundtrack. And, and still to this day, that's the only, that's the only piece of music that I've ever scored in my life. Um, it was just kind of transcribing um, what that theme was. Um, and you know, that for whatever reason, it, it really kind of, kind of connected with me, I think because of the, the narrative in the game and, and it was just, you know, like the music really supported, um, the narrative in a really cool way. So, um, so that, that was definitely kind of a, a turning point for me where I realized that music could be cool. Like I didn't have to just be practicing the boring stuff that my music teacher was mm-hmm. telling me to to play you know i could actually sit down and and pick things out that i i enjoyed hearing and and play that stuff that really speaks a lot that that's the one and only thing that you never transcribed <laughs> yeah. so i like that <laughs> yeah yeah i i'm just i'm never been a big uh sheet music reader um i respect people like mad props to anybody that can sit down and, and sight read, but that's that's just not me. <laughs> like, I, so you were I, like, uh, like listening to it and then playing it by ear and and figure like playing on the keyboard and figuring out everything. Then basically, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew enough music theory where I knew okay, well, I'm I'm playing an A here, so I'm gonna write this down as an A and like okay, this is this is gonna be, you know, this chord and I'm gonna write that down. So I mean, I knew enough to to pick it out, but. Um, but that's, yeah, that was really kind of the first time that I, I picked something out that way. Um, and what a great thing to pick up. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it definitely, I really wish that I was better at, um, at sight reading and I was better at like improvisation. Um, one of my, 
um, nightmare moments was going out in uh, junior high school for the jazz band. And for some reason, I got it into my head that that I would be able to audition and and get accepted um, playing uh, keyboards in the jazz band. And I've never been so mortified in my life. Like I showed up to that, that audition and like they put stuff down in front of me. And I was just, I, I wanted to immediately just get up and walk out. But like, I I kind of, I kind of fumbled my way through it. And then like, I I don't even think they even had to say anything. I was just like, I'll just leave now. So, (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it takes a certain amount of, I mean, courage to do that and so you did it and obviously like you've done much better since then you well it's different them. when you, yeah i mean it's it's different when you're writing your own music because oh, sure. then yeah but sure. but it what is interesting is uh a lot of the times when i'm producing i'm not really producing with um with a mind to how i'm going to be performing it live and so it, it can get a little bit interesting when I do actually sit down and, and try to arrange it for a live performance. And um, like, like present me is cursing past me for <laughs> like, for writing certain parts. Cause now I have to learn how to play these solos that, you know, are super difficult or are going to be like at least hard to execute in a live setting. So I've got a question for you. What, I mean, what does synth wave, as a as a genre or as whatever mean to you like what are the things that because it it sounds like you kind of like just accidentally happened upon it but now that you're kind of like fully in the whole thing i mean what does it mean to you what is it what speaks to you about it um i i think just like the nostalgia of it is is what i really get down on is you know i again i think my influence is just in talking with other artists that are are current in the scene today. Like my influences tend to be a little bit older, um, just because I'm an older guy, um, 38. So like a lot of people that are in the synthwave scene, you ask them like, you know, who their influences are and they'll tell you Kavinsky and, um, you know, some of the initial guys that kind of helped launch the, the scene, but, sure. um, but I, I mean, and I know that there's this whole debate about like, you know, is like Depeche Mode considered synthwave and blah blah blah. It's like, I, well, like, they're the synth- original, they're new wave. So you know, it's like Jurassic yeah, I mean, it was synthwave. <laughs> yeah, I, I always just felt like it was splitting hairs to a degree. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, where I, I guess where I was coming from is that, you know, those are kind of the artists that I grew up with, like Depeche Mode and New Order yeah. and like Sparks and um like marauder although like i really didn't discover him until later i think i was more of like a um a vandalist fan um yeah but um but yeah so i mean synthwave for me i I think is is more it's more just about the the nostalgia of things because that's how that's how i relate to it personally um you know it makes me think of when i was a kid and and listening to a lot of these different bands that had similar sounds. And I really like um, what people are doing with Synthwave today, where they're really modernizing um, the idea of, you know, synth pop and, and electronic music. And, um, and yeah, it's, I think it's, it's really cool. Um, So I, again, and I, I go back and forth to like where, you know, one day I'll, I'll be thinking, okay, yeah, Synthwave is definitely a genre. And then, 
an another day I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, it's all just kind of electronic music. And, um, you know, I, I think it's something that I struggle with, especially just because my stuff is, is not always accepted in the synthwave scene because it's a little bit too like nerdy or chippy. Um, and then likewise in the chiptune scene, like sometimes I don't always find acceptance there either because I've got enough um, like synth sounds that, that aren't like necessarily pure chip that, sure. um, you know, it's, it's just different, but I've, I, I kind of like living in that and that like middle space. I think it's fun. Just You're kind of the razor's edge, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just really enjoy um, being able to push people's ideas of what synthwave is on the one side and then being able to push what people's ideas of chiptune is on the other. But I feel like both of them go hand in hand. Like, absolutely. I think my major like push towards going towards synthwave stuff is like, I played a lot of video games. I wish I played as many as I did, <laughs> but video games are a big influence for me. And I feel like synthwave is just like a natural progression. Like, ooh, you like this kind of stuff? Well, here's synthwave, and that's like an evolved form of video game music. So yeah. I, I, I still feel like they're both pretty intertwined and yeah. tight with each other. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And I, again, I think it just goes back to a celebration of, of like retro stuff. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be movies. It doesn't have to be um, music. It doesn't have to be video games. I think a lot of us are influenced across different media and so I think it's cool when, when, you know, people are drawing in from all the different um, influences and, and doing it, kind of a new, new take on things. It hits the nostalgia. I think synthwave right. is a state of mind. It's, it's a mood. It's a state of mind. And it could be many different things because you touched on cinematic. And you said Vangelis, which, man, I could listen to the Blade Runner soundtrack all the time. So... I mean, yeah. you know, as opposed to like being a very strict set of like song structures and tempos and things like that and, and timing signatures, it's really as long as you hit that nostalgic kind of mood, I think you can kind of be included in the umbrella term of synthwave. Yeah, I would agree with that. Everybody's included. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that that's the important thing is, you know, I think it's healthy when we're approaching things from an inclusive perspective. I think as soon as we start using genre definitions to exclude people, that's where, um, you know, things get a little bit uglier, in my opinion. For sure. So, well, I have um, to say that Synthwave as a whole is one of the most inclusive genres of music. So there's that as well. Yeah, well, it, it, I always wonder how much of that is has to do with um, how small the scene is because I mean it can feel like there's a lot a lot of people making synthwave music and listening to synthwave music, but then when you kind of compare it to other genres that are out there, it's really kind of a drop in the bucket um, compared to like some of the other um, some of those other electronic genres, and and so I think that just by nature of us. Um, being kind of a smaller scene, it creates a little bit more camaraderie, um, which I really appreciate. Yeah, do, I mean, you, are you ever afraid that it's going to lose that um, personal touch? Like, I certainly think about, like, 
what happens when an artist breaks it in and you get like bro synth like i'm so afraid of bro synth right now <laughs> you know what i mean like i like is there like i love the fact that you know we can reach out to people that are making the music that love the music other fans and everyone is like wants to talk to you wants to be involved and and you know it's like oh you know is it muse or whoever it is that breaks it open and, and turns it into like this homogenized elitist community and i and i'm so afraid that it's going to happen yeah i just feel like that's the natural progression of things though like in any genre um and i think that if as long as the artists that are part of that scene are continuing to evolve kind of their own understanding of of what synthwave is um in this particular case then yeah you know somebody like muse may kind of latch on to it and and use elements of it um and in their stuff but you know is if we're truly kind of pushing ourselves as artists um to kind of figure out like how we can uh how we can create music that is kind of a, a new retelling of of what synthwave is then you know it, it can stay fresh for a long period of time yeah I, f- I feel like there's like no limit to what you can kind of do with it like it's it's so like i'm always surprised by what some people come up with <laughs> i'm morbidly curious to know what bro synth would sound like right now like, <laughs> I, I want to know but i don't want to know <laughs> Listen, the scene is dead when that is a true thing. <laughs> oh, <God>. Bro said <laughs> the scene is dead. You just know it. That's how it is. Um, yeah, again, I, I feel like it kind of goes in waves where it's like, to me, I mean, you could almost say that like there some of the band. Was intended in that? <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way, but but we, we'll, we'll say it was intended. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it comes in in phases and you know i'm just thinking about like the early 2000s there was kind of this huge uh wave of electronic music i'm thinking about like like passion pit um as an example to me is kind of like bro synth um and (laughs) i mean i i I love passion pit I've, i've been to see see um him play with like like a couple different iterations of of that band over time um and i definitely went through my phase with that but but again you know like it's i think that we see cycles of stuff and so um you know it it could it could happen but as long as people are kind of dedicated to continuing to to push the envelope and and do new and interesting things with it then yeah it it it, we may still have synthwave which may means something different in like five years yeah i mean i'm sure the evolution i'm just shocked by the the amount of iterations that there are right now it's hard to keep up with just what everyone is doing like i feel like almost overwhelmed with the amount of artists and the amount of like variation that there is within the scene and it's also the most exciting part about it is like you just don't know what you're gonna get it's like the industrial revolution of electronic music like all of a sudden all this is exploding and going crazy at a very short period I feel of time like people are in the it, like we are in a creative renaissance in a particular genre of music yeah it's it's a cool time um but it, it can also be challenging from an artist's perspective because you know now that it's so easy for people to produce their own music you know it just means that there's more people doing it which is great 
Um, but it it also there's a it also means that there's a lot of bad music out out there mm-hmm. too. Um, and sometimes cutting through the the noise uh, can be difficult. So, is there an artist out there, or maybe a group of artists, that re- really connect to you as in, in the synthwave realm, or any realm? Any realm. What What do you like? What What's speaking to you? Um. So, I mean, I don't know if I've been brainwashed because I went on tour with him and had to listen to the songs for like the last the last couple of uh, weeks. But but Gregorio Franco's new album Scourge is is. Like I, I really have been getting down on that recently um, just because it's, I really respect him as an artist because he, he kind of takes things in a, in a, a different direction. I mean, it's still heavy synth, but it's very like, it's very different um, sonically from, um, you know, a, a perturbator or, you know, a lot of the other people that are, that are making that kind of sure. like dark, heavy, kind of like dance with the dead you know that like greg has a definite sound to what he does that's like instantly recognizable and and that's that's what i appreciate in synthwave is when you know people are able to iterate and evolve but but they also don't really lose sight of who they are as an artist and and like kind of the the message that they're trying to get across um so yeah he's I, I've been listening to that album a lot lately. Um, I really wish that uh, Glitbiter would put out some more stuff too, because um, there's a couple of tracks of hers that um, that I can just listen to over and over again. Um, same thing with Nina. Um, you know, I really uh, enjoy listening to her stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think from. Uh, I'm just trying to think of other artists. I mean, I, to be perfectly honest, I, I really don't listen to a whole lot of synthwave um, in in my free time, just because I I'm always afraid that I'm going to start like unconsciously picking up ideas that other that. artists have already used. Yeah. So um, I, I generally listen to a lot of older um, you know soundtracks, and I'm watching you know like crappy like sci-fi Italian films that have these like like really great like synth heavy soundtracks and that's kind of you know if i hear something in there that's kind of where i'm drawing ideas from but um but yeah there's not a whole lot of like um contemporary guys that that i'll listen to on a regular basis um and it's not to say that i don't like it it's just that sure no and um, yeah it's a it's a difficult balance and i, I definitely understand like the not wanting to be either consciously or unconsciously influenced on what you do. Because uh, I think, like, the biggest thing that you can, you have as a, an asset in Synthwave community is your own voice. What you do, what you personally bring to the project makes it unique. And so, yeah, I mean, I definitely understand, like, and for me as a fan, I'm like, I don't care. I'll just, I'll listen to everything. I don't, you know, like, I'll, I'll pursue, I'll go full into it. But, you know, not be, I don't listen to other podcasts, so I'll freely <laughs> I don't admit, either. <laughs> so, cause I don't want to be influenced either by tone or format or whatever it is. Like just let it be pure. Uh, so I, I definitely understand the sentiment of it. Also, I don't have that kind of time either. <laughs> I can't yeah, invest that I mean, much time. I, I think, I feel like, um, you know, Spotify is a cool tool. Um, but I, I almost kind of wish that, 
uh, like, I don't know if you guys ever were around to use uh, last.fm. Um, it, it still exists, but it's kind of like a, a crappier version of it, of what it used to be. But, um, but what was really cool that I appreciated about last.fm is it was one of those first sites that had kind of the machine learning behind it where, you know, it would do, Hey, you're really into this artist. Here are some similar artists that you might, you might like. And, and just hearing you talk about like having more time, that's how I used to spend my time is kind of going down the, that bunny trail of like, Oh, well, I really like these guys. And so I'm going to, I'm going to check these guys out and then, Oh, here's the similar artist to them. And that's like, when I was listening to a lot of like British indie rock and stuff like that, that's, that's how I, I discovered a lot of those guys was again, just kind of going down the, the bunny hole. Um, and, uh, I, I, I know you could do the same thing in Spotify now. Um, but, but like you were saying, <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot of time to. Right. To, if I, if I had the time, I'd love to do more of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's why it's so important to, um, to make sure that we've got people that are doing a good job of curating and the scene and really kind of raising up the, the stuff that is worth hearing. Um, and, and, you know, having some diversity, in terms of like having a, a bunch of different playlists that have different themes. I think all of that stuff is healthy for, for the, the scene, because then it helps people like myself who, who don't have the time to, to go searching and digging in the crates to, um, to get exposure to some of the cooler stuff that's going on. I'm really curious if there are other, like, does that exist for all forms of music on the internet? Like, is there a, I'm sure there's probably hip hop playlists and stuff like that. I'm just like, cause I've never really paid attention to it before Synthwave. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that it exists. I mean, I know that there's uh, like plenty of chiptune playlists that are available in Spotify and, and other places. Um, Lo-fi so, beats to study too. There's a, there's another one for you. Yeah. There you go. So, and I mean, I'll, I'll say too, I, I don't use it as much these days, but Pandora was really formative for me when I was, um, when I was working my day job a lot and just kind of wanted to expose myself to music that I wouldn't normally hear. Um, I really, I, I don't know how good the algorithms are now, but, but there was a lot of stuff that I ended up discovering through just kind of setting a Pandora station on an artist that I really enjoyed and just kind of letting that run and, and. You know, I'm listening to, to it on headphones, and if I'm like, oh, you know, I really like this particular artist, I would make a, a note, um, you know, I'd pull up Notepad or whatever and actually write down the name of the artist so that I made sure to check them out later. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure there's people that are still doing that. I just personally, like, don't, again, don't have the time to um, to kind of be digging. And, and then, like I was saying, yeah, I kind of want to keep, keep a fresh perspective on things and not feel like I'm, I'm aping, um, somebody that is contemporary. So, uh, what do you have coming up? I think you're, pl you're playing two shows or one show out West Portland and Seattle. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's uh, the, really the only thing that I definitely have on the books right now that's confirmed is neon Rose Fest, which, um, happens, I think not this coming weekend, but the weekend after, um, from November 22nd to the 24th. And it's a, it's going to be a huge festival um, that occurs across both Seattle and Portland. 
Um, and I think night one is going to be in Seattle. That's Friday, November 22nd, which I'm, I'm not playing that that night, but I'm going to show out and, and support the other artists um, in Seattle. And then uh, night two uh, is November 23rd. That's where I'll be playing. Um, and it's, it's kind of got an early start time. So if, if there's anybody that's interested in coming out to see see me play, like I'm going to be opening up um, that that show, which um, normally I would I would kind of be like, oh, like, why am I opening? But then when you look at the, the other artists that are on this bill, I mean, you've got Tokyo Rose, Betamax, Makeup and Vanity Set, Dead Royalty, Dream Reaper, like all, all these guys are heavy hitters. So like I, I feel lucky um, to, to be on that bill. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, kind of warming things up for them. And did um, did and, you do Echo Synthetic? Yep. Yeah, I did uh, Echo Fest. Um, I've done it two years now um, running. Um, and this year we actually made made it the, the final show of the Dark Future Tour. So when Glitch Black, Gregorio Franco, and I like wound things up, we wound it up on night two of Echo Synthetic Fest. And... Um, I, I have to say that's probably one of the best shows I've ever played in my life. Um, just the, the energy from the crowd was, was so great. And, um, you know, uh, James Mitchell, um, echo synthetic. I mean, he, he always does a good job of, um, of coordinating things and, and getting, um, some, some cool artists in and, uh, like the, the lineup for, for both nights and echo synthetic fest was really fun because, uh, the dark future guys we had kind of played with a lot of them when we had been touring and then to kind of have this reunion where a lot of these same people like starfare neuron specter um trying to think who else but like a, a lot of these guys basically like came came back to atlanta and so we got to we got to see everybody again um which was cool but uh but yeah the the crowd was was terrific um on both nights, but, um, you know, being able to play a hometown crowd. And this is really kind of the first time where I felt like, like there was some recognition for watch out for snakes. People, people came out specifically for me. It wasn't just kind of like, Oh, Hey, we just happened to, to be at this event and we liked your set. Um, there were people that were like wearing my shirts and stuff like that, which it's gotta be I'm awesome. not, not, not trying to make this a culture of me or anything, but like, but it was just like one of the things that I feed off of from a live performance perspective is the crowd energy and, and the crowd energy was definitely there um, that night. You know what? That's something I'd definitely be at odds with. Cause like thinking about going to shows and I've been to many shows, it's like, you don't want to be that person wearing the band shirt to the show. <laughs> but in your situation, you know, being the artist, seeing someone who's wearing the shirt, that's something that, you know, would probably change my mind about that a yeah. little bit. Yeah. I always go back to like that Jeremy Piven thing where it's like, don't be that guy. <laughs> but, you know, in a scene like this, that makes a lot more sense. If you're going to go see some major act, like, yeah, don't be that guy. Well, yes, this is very, well, and it I, is a different, so... I think it's different too when it's a festival like Echo Fest was where you've got like like seven or eight different artists on each night. And so I feel like it's more culturally acceptable to wear a shirt of one of those bands to something like that than it would be if like I was just playing um, playing a show just solo or whatever and then somebody wore one of my shirts to the gig. So but, our um, homie uh, Unholy Rat King was there as well. 
Uh, no, actually, he had to dip out. Um, he dipped he out. Had, yeah, he had some um, some personal stuff that um, he was trying to take care of, and so he had to um, he had to cancel out. That's too um, I think it was like a couple of weeks before. But I mean, I've had a chance to um, to meet and play with Unholy Rat King before. He was at uh, Echo Synthetic um, last year, and yes, he was. Yeah, I definitely enjoy and appreciate what he's doing too. Because again, you know, he's got a, a very different take on on the electronic scene, and and a lot of what he does does have like some chip influence to it. So he and I are kind of like chip bros um, in that respect. <laughs> I'll pass that along to Chris because I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So I really appreciate you coming on. Um, it's been very entertaining and enlightening um but i think this is concludes our interview so thank All you right. for coming on matt um again we can see you next in the portland show what was the date again uh the date is saturday november 23rd so and again get there early because you know i think i'm going on around like 5 30 or 6 i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of acts that are playing that night. Um, and so I think they, they had to start it a little bit earlier to make sure that everybody gets a, enough set time. Um, but yeah, I'll be kicking things off there on the 23rd. Sweet. And then also check out Scars, which is out now. And, and I saw that, you, are you releasing on cassette? Yep. Um, I've got a cassette release. Um, people have been kind of eating those up. So I'm, I'm getting low on, on my stock and I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to kind of do a um like a, a reissue or or you know just do another run of of the cassette um i'm kind of getting to that point with with um a lot of my merch where i, I have to kind of make a a gut check on like do i want to do another run of the same thing or do i want to kind of switch things up and you know it, one of these days i i still want to do some vinyl releases so yeah. um i'm thinking maybe if there's enough uh there's enough desire for it with scars that could be kind of the next thing that I'm working on. All right. So get get the physical merch while you can. You heard it. It's in low uh, quantities and high demand. So uh, get the stuff while you can. Go out and uh, see Watch Out for Snakes. Um, and then do you have any other shows coming up, or is that kind of it for the foreseeable future? Um, I've got, uh, a couple of things that I can't announce yet. So okay. like, so I'll, I'll just kind of hype things by saying, stay tuned for that. But, um, but I, I do have, uh, an Atlanta show that I'm going to be playing in kind of mid January with, uh, vampire stepdad, frisky monkey and, uh, Saoirse, um, who we've, we've all played together before. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a fun kind of like family affair because, um, Juan and Frisky Monkey. It's his. It's going to be his birthday, and so it's it's definitely going to be like a, a fun birthday show where we're all just kind of getting together and and having a good time. So um, so yeah, I, I don't know the exact date yet, but just kind of keep keep posted on the on Bandcamp. Like that's where all my shows are listed. And then you're on Twitter and Instagram and all and Bandcamp and all those things. So you're readily yeah, available. I've, yeah, I'm, I'm on most social media platforms. I'm Watch Out for Snakes, the band, um, just because Watch Out for Snakes was already taken in most cases. Um, I think Twitter is the only one that's a little bit different um, because of the character count. So on there, I'm uh, Watch Out for Hiss, and it's three <laughs> yeah. S's. Yeah. So. 
All right, so please follow Matt. Um, you know, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, check out Scars. It's a really great album. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah, pl- pleasure's all mine. Okay, we're back. Hope you enjoyed the songs and interview. Engaging guy. So tell me about some vinyl shit. My most recent get was Street Cleaners Annihilation, courtesy of EPR and Laser Steel. Uh, I didn't know the music going into it. Interesting. I, I bought it as what the package entailed. Which is like the Doom like tribute. Yeah, kind of like that. So sweet cover art, which is always a plus for me. Um, as I've discussed before, like I prefer black vinyl over special colorways, but the color on this vinyl was really crazy. So that kind of caught me too. Like something that I normally wouldn't fall for, I fell for. But artistically, great package. I have, you know, I've known some street cleaner stuff before. I had previously passed on a release that came out a while back. I forget from who it came out. Maybe it was EPR. I'm not sure. But I gave this one a go, and it's a solid package, like all the way around. Music, art, presentation, everything. Good, darker wave stuff. I like it. So give me a, a, a number rating for each article that's important to you. Package is what? What do you rate that? The the packaging on this one, I give a, a I'd say it's a gatefold. Okay. There's stuff inside too. Sweet. The cover is really good. I'd probably give this like an eight and a half out of ten. Okay. Quality of the disc itself. Quality the pre- of the the sound quality? Yeah. Well it's electronic purification, so I give it a ten. Okay, it's hot they, shit. They they do very very well with their releases. Uh, I've only ever gotten one bad thing from them, but everything else has been perfect. I'm still I'm really salty about the one bad thing. <laughs> and then how about music overall? And the, the music overall, I give it a seven and a half out of ten. So we're gonna give the overall album an eight point three. Give it yes, yeah, somewhere around an eight, eight out of ten for this release. It was a good one. It was a good one. Sweet. I'm glad to have it in my collection. And I actually messaged, uh, is it Jeff over at Laser Steel? Yeah, is that Jeff. His name? Yeah. I messaged him about, he posted a picture of that, and I was like, oh, I missed out on this. You know, I was trying to remind myself to grab it from you before it was out. And he was like, hey, I got you. So even though it was out on the website, he took care of me. Oh, what a nice guy. Jeff's good shit. So I got what I wanted. No, well, that's what's, that's I, what's important. I always get what I want. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to take. Just grab it and just take it. Grab it and take it. For the Conan fans out there. Yeah. I I just got finally, and Mike is going to be really happy with this. I, I finally got uh, Mike's, or sorry, Cat Tapper's second album. And that, I haven't listened to, I mean, I've listened to the album, but I haven't listened to the vinyl yet. And it's a, he, I mean, he outdid himself. This time you get a poster and a sticker and the download card. And I wasn't expecting the poster 
portion of it. So that's cool. I'm really, we'll see what the vinyl is like. I already know that I, I like the album. So you bring up something that I want to talk about too. Like for the vinyl fans out there, if you get something on vinyl, do you want to download code at me personally? Like I've got a good DAC, a digital analog converter. And you know, I do streaming stuff and, you know, high quality downloads. Hi-fi. Hi-fi boy. So I like digital downloads, especially if you can get them in lossless formats. That's important to me. Like if I get something and it comes with that, I'm a happy boy. If it doesn't have it, I almost kind of think it's bullshit. Yeah, I'll. this is a great question to ask, and I'll, I'll throw this out on Twitter um, later. To me, the digital download, because I only listen, I listen to music in two ways and two formats only. If I'm at home, it's on the record player. I don't fuck with anything else. But if I'm in my car, it's digital only. Mm-hmm. So I want both of those things because you know it's real fucking bullshit that I've had to do? You buy a vinyl release, and then you end up spending $10 or more on another album. So on the album again. So you spend 30 to potentially 50 depending on what it is and then turn around and have to pay full price again for the digital version of it oh that that, that is really... and you know who does a really good job about that though blood music because their vinyl releases don't come with a digital download but most of the stuff that they have on Bandcamp, you can download for a name your price and, and i'll usually that. do that and like throw a buck in there and then the messages be like i i bought the vinyl so yeah. like thank you and that's part of the reason why I'm a little sad, like, that blood isn't going further because, like, I, you know, bought most of, I'm missing one perturbator, one perturbator LP that I care about. I'm not chasing after the, the, the I don't, yeah, B-sides. the B sides ones aren't that interesting to me, but I've, I'm, yeah. I'm just missing uh, his second album and that's it. And so, like, being able to, like, chase the vinyl. And then say, hey, here's $3 for you. I bought this on vinyl, yada, yada, yada. I really appreciate that. Although, what's interesting, you can't, I haven't found, like, for the Uncanny Valley or the non-Paradisi, you don't get, you can only get the C, the additional EPs physically. You can't get them digitally, can you? No, you can. You just have to look them up. They're separate. They aren't included with the album. So, like... Specifically, so the non-Paradisi EP, you have to look specifically for that one from Blood Music. Hey, you can you, get bro. it. Thanks, bro. That's important because yeah, that's a no hot. problem. It's this, yes, th- that and um, Uncanny Uncanny Valley. That's yeah, the so, three. Yes, yeah. yeah. Those ones, you just have to look specifically for the EP. They're on their own. Let me tell you, if you're if you're a fan of Ghost, <laughs> yes, and you want a really hot like secret. Thing, the Secret Arcana EP. It's so of good. Non Paradisi, like, holy shit! It, it's it. It's just got. It has such a wonderful blend of like dark wave, synth wave, the whole, and plus the extended cut of I forget the song. Like, it just does it for me. Like, that. it's a rain and hell. I think that's what it is. Maybe what it is, but it's it's super hot. The whole thing is hot. I would that could have been an album on it. Like you put two more songs on it, and I would have said that's a great album. It's a awesome. It's amazing EP. I listened to the EP 
more than I do the regular album. Hey, respect. Respect. It's great. Is there anything that's coming out that you're really excited about? It seems like it's really hard to keep track it's, of. It, it's already out, but there's there's stuff on my list that I have to grab. I want to get uh, Lightspear's Metro, which is out on Electric Dream Records. I want to grab that. Um, might grab the new Arcade High that got released through um, Electric Dream as well. And I'm not, I'm, I'm sure I probably got something on, well, I probably got like half a dozen things on pre-order that I'm waiting for, but I can't remember. Oh, I also picked up Ghost's new album finally on vinyl. Jesus Because I want, I wanted to go actually grab it at the record store. Okay. Rather than order it. And I ended up getting the clear version. Really? Okay. You got pink, right? Yes, I did. Okay. And then there's a green, like a mint green. And there's also a purple, I believe. And a black. And a clear. Yeah. That's a lot. See, the thing is, like, Century Media is a legit, like, pretty big record company, so they could afford to do all these ridiculous colors. I'm curious if there's any quality differences between any of the presses. It might. I wasn't. I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was great when I was listening to it. It's flat, so I'm happy about that. It's not warped. <laughs> a very minimal expectation. The vinyl pressing is flat. Oh, man. If I get something that's completely flat nowadays, if something's completely flat, I am fucking like through the roof. Like I am amazed and happy and appreciative because... Shit's wacky. Yeah. So, like, I was just at Best Buy the other day looking, I still looking at computers, looking at laptops that My I want to buy. This is like, it literally, this what, seven months? It's It's been a while. But I just so happened to go to, like, they still have a Magnolia section at the one that I was at. So I went over there and they just had a rack with a bunch of vinyl in it. And they had um, some stuff I picked up a couple of gorillas records because I was like, I might as well get this. Like mm-hmm. I can't even remember what the first album's name was. But I was I opened that up, I set it down on my on the platter, and I turned it on both sides for both the discs that were in it. And they were absolutely fucking flat. And I was like, Oh my god, this is unheard of, like right now. So happy. I opened up Demon Days. First disc I slapped down, absolutely flat. Throw in the second disc. I have never, ever had a more fucking warped record <laughs> in my goddamn life. Like, I've had some bad shit, but this one is so fucking bad. So bad that it is without a weight or a clamp or anything. It is literally unplayable. Like, it would not fucking play. So what I've noticed, and and you can help me on this particular thing, but what I've noticed, a little warp is manageable. Yes. So, like, I've, like, because my Berserk that I have is fucking warped. And I, there's no skipping, there's no sound distortion on it. It just looks a little wavy as you're playing it. Mm-hmm. What's the, what What are the, the, the fatal flaws of warp? Do you get skipping? Do you get sound fluctuation? Well, it, what it you- could not even play. So, this, I, one of my uh, Master Boot record, vinyls that I got 
through Data Airlines, and usually their releases are really fucking good quality too. But I got one of theirs, and dropping a needle on this one, even with the turntable weight that I had at the time, I've since changed to a heavier one, but even with the weight, the disc was like dished so bad that just the friction from the needle in the grooves would cause it to slow down and then stop playing. The platter would still turn, Holy but the record shit. would fucking stop. And this uh, Gorillaz record that I have, the second disc in Demon Days, is even worse than that. Fuck it. So hell. it wouldn't even play. It would The platter would spin and it would sit still because it's so bad. So little of it would actually touch the platter. Okay, that's fucked up. So I could eat cereal out of this motherfucker. It's bold so bad. <laughs> so like my like with the Berserk record that I have, and this is I'm sorry, let me clarify. This is the Berserk soundtrack for the original nineteen ninety seven series of the score. Yeah, from Tiger Lab. From Tiger Lab. Um and I actually found that in a record store, which I was really like, What? Did that- they have that at Cheapo? Yes, they did. Okay, because I know they got uh, a couple of their other previous releases. So I'm so. like, but just seeing it out in the wild was really crazy well, to me. It's fucking wild seeing it it's out in the wild. wild. Yeah, but like it, it, it didn't have like it doesn't have like a, like a, a like a mono like warp. It's got it seems to have like waves, like a little ripply. Yeah, it's ripply is what it is, and so it kind of mine's a little like that too. Um. But otherwise, the play is just fine. And like, you get to that final song on there, and you're just like, that meme where like it's cranked to eleven, and like the the kid with the headphones like crying with his fists in the air. Like, I went there. I was like, oh, all the feels. (laughs) (laughs) So I got a question for you with with um, Electric Dream Records. So Electric Dream Two is out. Yes, that which is my runner up for a second best album of the year. Which is mastered by Dynatron. Yes, Dynatron uh, masters every Electric Dream record release for vinyl. So Dynatron uh, was on Blood Music, mm-hmm. has done some collaborative work with Perturbator. Yep. Um, Had albums on Rad Rush records. Like, that's the damn. fucking OG synthwave label. Okay, all right. I was going to ask you, is he the in-house masterer of Electric Dream? Yeah, yeah. For vinyl. For vinyl, yes. Interesting. Okay. That's that's a fucking sweet connect right there. It is. It is and that is one of the big things that uh Brian, the owner of Electric Dream, touts like, hey, we will specifically master everything for vinyl, and I have this very notable person doing every single one. So what you can guarantee from any of my releases, whether you like the actual content or not, is the quality of the recording will always be to the, the high standard. The best that you can get. Yeah. I I think Tonebox does some mastering too. Tonebox does a good chunk of what comes out on a new retro wave. Gotcha. Some releases aren't specifically mastered for vinyl through them. You know mm-hmm. them, but the ones that sound good, you can pretty much guarantee that Tonebox is the one who did the mastering for that. So what I'm trying to do right now is is solicit a Tonebox to come to Minneapolis 
and play with Galaxy 80. That's my that's my new quest is to get those two to play together in a, at a venue in Minneapolis to be determined. So internet Minneapolis internet Minnesota. Internet. I want that to happen. I want to see Tonebox live. Yeah. I am a big fan. I know that he's said that he's never played the Midwest before. So I want this to happen. I want to see Tonebox. Isn't he from the Midwest? He is, but he doesn't play. And I feel like that's not a very uncommon thing. It was just um, talking to some Nitrowave TC folks, and we were having this exact conversation of like, um, there's people from the area that are not famous at all from the area and are only famous internationally or on the coast or whatever it is. But at home, no one gives a shit. Which is interesting because Minneapolis is supposed to be sort of a music-ish sort of area. and For some musics. For some musics. I forget exactly who it was that it was referencing to because I, it's not my particular thing. So I kind of zoned out a little bit. But yeah, it was a real conversation. Um, so what's coming up? Excitingly enough, so um, we have the big to do. December fourteenth is going to be the Can Can Wonderland Nitro Wave TC presents festival. It's going to be the debut live performance of Galaxy Eighty. We're going to have that at some point in time on Night Ride FM. Uh, I'm not live broadcasting it, just so you know, folks. I the the last show that we broadcast went perfect broadcast well everything is but i was so stressed out of trying to like do 18 things at once that i'm not i'm not doing it anymore i can't do it so someone else, if we do it live it's not going to be for me i'm not doing it it'll you'll you'll still get to hear it it you'll just won't to, be live it won't be live but uh, i'm very excited about that so we've got a first time performer with the group a bad rat going and then obviously we're going to have um, North Innsbruck, we're going to have Night Audit, we're going to have uh, Denotive, so it's five uh, total groups that are playing, and uh, it's looking to be a, a pretty exciting show, uh, so hopefully, you know, that, that's a great turnout, uh, the last show, so let me, let's just talk about the last show that we did, so we had a um, show with um, North Innsbruck, Denotive, and Night Audit at a venue, it was fucking packed. It was great. The energy was good. And even if people who came there who didn't know what was going on, like they were engaged. Everyone's eyes were on the stage. Yeah. Uh, I was not prepared to have that many people at that venue for that particular thing. It was full. It was great. It was full. And, you know, we certainly got invited back to play whenever we wanted. Uh, at that venue, which is really convenient for the both of us since it's in St. Paul. So yes, I'm completely fine with all that shit. And they have good food. And they have good food. So that's also not an issue. So um, there seems to be a momentum. And that and that's really kind of like what I want to talk to, like the PDX people and stuff like that is like, is there a noticeable uh, momentum, a craving for people to come out and see this kind of stuff. You know, I, I, from what I see that neon rose fest was 
well-attended, well-liked, well-received. Uh, the shows that we're doing out here in Minneapolis seem to be really well-received. And, um, you know, we'll see with this December 14th thing, like, what's going on. I'm really excited to see Night Audit again. I'm really excited to see uh, Micah play for the first time. I know that he's been talking about some of the stuff that he's going to be doing. I mean, shit, we hired a special lighting person just for the show. Has Micah found a guitar player yet? Yes, yeah, all settled. Nice. So uh, I don't think he's going to uh, bring out anything synth hop related per se. <laughs> <laughs> That's a project for another time. Yeah. But uh, I, I think he's got, he's settled. He's ready to rock and he's got, you know, I know that he's looking to do more live performances. So I'm excited about that. You know, so it's, it's really a matter of bringing, that's why I like Tonebox. Tonebox is like, for us, is like a car right away. He's very close to the Minneapolis market. So um, that's why I'm soliciting Tonebox, especially like all the stuff that he does and like what that could bring. I would, I just want to see it live. It'd be fantastic. I want to get Tonebox and Tokyo Rose out here. <laughs> oh, that's hot shit. Y'all listen to that. We want that. Uh, so what's coming out for you? What are you looking for as far as releases go? Um, anything exciting for you personally? It seems like you can't even anticipate anything that comes out now. Because all of a sudden it's just like you get an announcement. that like, here is the next thing that's coming out. You had no idea until that announcement came out. And then you have to buy it. But like... Down the road, speaking of Tonebox, his new album, which features Tokyo Rose on one of the tracks. Go figure. Wow. That's something that I am looking forward to. I'm not sure when that pressing's going to be. January. Okay. That's not too bad for a new retro wave release. (laughs) It's better than six months, which is something Sometimes that happens. So that's cool. Speaking of time, the Power Glove EP... Oh, yes. Did you have you received anything on that? No. So I thought that that was already pressed ready to go. Apparently not. No. Which is real disappointing for me cuz I was hoping to have that. Cuz that was September that it was ordered, pre-ordered, right? October. Or it was a, it was beginning. like Halloweeny themed, so it's Halloweenish time. It was beginning of October. Are you sure? Yes. For sure, because I got that as soon as it fucking came out. And I thought, because we were talking about it, and I thought it was going to be like, oh, we're probably going to get it around around Halloween. And, you know, that's panned out really well. Okay, middle of October. 10-14 is when I ordered it. So it's going to be the same thing as playback then, where it's going to be four months uh, before we'll we see it. That's the only... F- now, granted, I have the electronic version of it so i get to listen to whatever i want that's fine but i want the goddamn physical thing but here's the thing and i know time slaves has gone away from this they don't do it anymore electric dream records does not ever do a pre-order they always have stuff ready to go when they announce it they have it in hand so there's that. Like I feel at this point in time, maybe a couple years ago in Synthwave, 
if you were trying to sell something, maybe you would take pre-orders for it and then it would come out later. But now some of the stuff that's coming out, especially from big names like that, you should just go ahead and press it because you know it's going to sell and then release it when it, you have it in hand. And hopefully they're established by now where they've got the the cash on hand. Like, And I get it. Like, folks, if you're frust- like you get frustrated, like I-, I do from the consumer standpoint – but I also understand it. It's very expensive to press vinyl. It's extremely expensive, time-consuming, all of that shit. There's a lot that goes into it. So when you get a vinyl record, like even if it's a shitty pressing, there was a lot of energy that went into that shitty pressing. Yes. Regardless. <laughs> yes. So yeah, yeah, you're pursuing a very particular, you know, thing. And I know that, like Mike from Cat Temper appreciates this because you know he's a vinyl collector as well um i've been smarter like with the tone box record i i got the i bought it digitally have been listening to that record it's fucking fantastic i'm gonna ask you i haven't asked you this yet what's what's one of your favorite songs and i know you're gonna say the tokyo rose one collab yes other than the tokyo rose collab on tone box record what is your standout track i listened to it once all the way through okay i listened to the track with tokyo rose a second time because i like that one so much i'm not listening to it anymore until i have the vinyl interesting so i can't answer that question right now okay because i would rather have the experience with that i keep listening to it because um i really like it and i can't do that to myself i'm not going to do what i did with power glove with playback, I didn't listen to it at all. I just ordered the vinyl and didn't listen to it until uh, four months later until it came out. With this, with Tonebox, I listened to it. I continue to listen to it even now. I definitely have. Well, I guess we'll have to wait to have this conversation when the vinyl comes out. Listen to it, that kind of stuff. But I definitely have some standout tracks other than the Tokyo Rose that like do it for me. And then it's like it's a countless bunch of other stuff that's coming out. You know, still waiting for the power glove. Um, honestly, at this point, I can't even keep track of. And it's not, and I don't. I'm not dropping six hundred dollars in a week. Sorry, <laughs> nine it days. It happens <laughs> uh, for vinyl. Like you know, I'm just picking up stuff here and there. Now, have you listened to the? Um, you said you finally got the Ghost record uh, Valediction. Have you listened to it, absorbed it? Do you have any thoughts on that record? I I listened to it all the way through. Uh, what was it, Sunday? I really like um, Ligature Marks. Mm-hmm. I really like a couple other tracks. But I still, at this point, like with further listening and stuff... Unlike the other albums, I don't like it as much as the other stuff. Like the other previous albums, each one I've listened to, I've been like, oh, okay, this is different. And then I, well, that one will turn into my favorite. Like each right. one is turned into my favorite. But this one, I don't know if it if it really does it for me, if it has all the stuff that I really, really want. So what makes the Ghost album different than other releases? Number one, there's only one non-vocal track on the entire yep. thing. So for folks that are that have been with Ghost, like his earlier stuff, if they're like Behemoth or Non-Paradisi or... Yeah, it's usually Possessor. you get 
two or oh, three. Yeah, one one track maybe that has vocals on it. Yeah, and number and the second thing is it's all him singing, for the most part. I think yeah, it's all him singing, on the tracks. Not that I have a problem with that or anything. No, no, no. He's, because he's actually the stuff singer. on Possessor I really really fucking liked. Yeah, no, he's he's actually a very good vocalist, and I've really I really appreciate the fact that he's he's really going into it, and it's it's very clear that there's a transition in his music where he's finding a balance between the dark wave ghost and maybe some of his previous other ventures, because you know he played in hardcore metal, sorry, black metal bands, I think maybe death metal. That's his background before ghost and it's this mix of to me like valediction is a blend of absolutely everything that came beforehand plus some of his older stuff so it's like it sounds a little bit like depeche mode it sounds a little bit like the ghost that you would recognize from previous records it sounds a lot a bit like death metal it sounds you know that all those things blend together in each song is very different, you know. So there's like one thing I I was listening to stuff on my lunch break today. Actually, when I was at home, um, one thing that I I noted because I was listening to stuff from Valediction, and I was listening to stuff from Non Paradisi when I was at home today. And one thing that really stuck out for me is it seems the newer stuff on Valediction, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing or anything, yeah. is not quite as complex. Yeah. As some of the older stuff. I think with this record, it really shows a lot of uh, traditional vocal aspects where you're right. It's not as complicated musically because the, like in vocal music, you don't have, you know, the, the vocals carry the entire song. And so they carry the complexity or the not complexity if it's a pop song structure, whatever. I mean, that's a whole other thing. It relies heavily on the vocal structure and the vocals to carry the song overall. And so therefore the songs aren't as musically complex as what he's done in the past. I I strongly, and I've had many discussions on the internet, I'm like, for me it's like an 8.5. That's where I place it. Because I like, I get the callbacks of where he's going to. I get some of the Bauhaus things, I get some of the Depeche Mode things, I get some of the the black metalish sort of things. And the thing is like he blends all that shit so well together like the record works cohesively and there's a lot of different elements that he's jamming into it which don't necessarily all cohesively work, but he does it. And he's still, it's still ghost. It's still things that I recognize as being ghost. Like, I feel like he's able to take a genre of music, distill it into what he does, and it's recognizable as a ghost track. I don't feel like anything that I've listened to on that record is like, this isn't fucking ghost. Like, it's like, oh, this is ghost version of this particular thing. I feel like if you listen to it more, it'll grow on you. And I, as I've continued to listen to that record, it's funny. Like, as you said, like, not initially liking it. And then I was like, this is my favorite thing. With this record, I'm like, this is really good. Now, I'm not going to say it's my favorite. But I really like listening to it. I, like, I will actually put it into rotation. 
I know that if I don't like something or if something's okay, it's not in a rotation of something that I, I have to purposely seek it out to listen to it where this is something that I'll actually throw in to listen to and enjoy without having to like, I'd like to have a whatever moment. So I'm glad you finally listened to it all the way through. Well, I had before. I mean, I just, Oh, I don't know why. Usually I'm like, okay, a pre-order. I'm getting this as soon as possible. And, and it might be that, you know, it frankly, it might be that the divergence if, from you and where he's going. And that's completely fine. If it was through blood music, I would have had it on pre-order. I'll just say that. Cause it's also who I'm buying it through too. as something fair to do point because I've had to buy the album twice. This is one of those situations where I'm pissed off that I had, I bought the vinyl and I also bought the digital version of it. And I wouldn't give a shit if it all went to Ghost. I would be fine with that. But I know strictly because how much it costs to make a vinyl that it mostly went to Century Media and just the cost of producing it. And then two, it's through Century Media. So it mostly probably went to them. And I don't know that I went to support Ghost as much. Mm-hmm. I don't have an account that tracks everything that I've ever bought from them with Century Media. Blood Music, I have an account. It's personalized for me that has my info that tracks every single thing I bought, too. Here's how responsive Blood Music is. Uh, I bought something from... <laughs> Maybe now. But in now. the past, in the past. <laughs> there's been but some issues. right now, I, I'm still missing some items from the rarity sale that I purchased i got a response very quickly stating what was going on and i was very pleased with that i'm like okay cool we're cool but at least i got a response it's to me i was able to very specifically point out the things that i had concerns about because of how they're you got merchandise other than music from them and i'm guessing that's probably coming from finland is that the deal it's coming direct from finland so Apparently, what I learned is that the Finland Postal Service is on strike. strike yes, and uh, keep that in mind with Blood Music sale coming up. If you are out of the U.S., yeah, if you're getting shit, and it's it's gonna be a hot minute before you get your stuff, but it's worth it. So, uh, some of the things that I noticed: Dynatron. I think everything. There's at least like five. Not all, not all, but there is a good amount of Dynatron stuff available on. The there's sale. at least five. LPs, vinyl releases from Dynatron. Uh, Dan Terminus, there's at least one. One that's not reduced that much. I'm kind of sad. I kind of want to get it, but I wish it was reduced as much as the other stuff. Still, I'd say the best value you can get, Master Boot Record, yeah. 10 bucks for vinyl. Come on, yeah, people. Fucking, I'm surprised there's still any left. I can't even believe it. Are you fucking stupid? Like, get it. Right now, get even it. if... Do it. I have the clear pressing of Master Boot Records Random Memory Access. Is that the name of the album? Or is it random? It's not RAM. It's slightly flipped around. What is it? They're all computer stuff, and I'm not a computer person because I don't. I know how to find porn on a computer. That's <laughs> interesting that's fact. The limit. I just want to give credit here to a little bit of Night Ride FM. So Z from Night Ride FM, 
he I think he designed or made the website for Master Boot Record, and I'm pretty sure he had a lot to do with the Discord thing for Blood Music's Discordia or whatever that is. He's a very busy dude from Tasmania. Direct Memory Access. Yes. Is the album name. I have the clear version of that, and it is a fantastic quality pressing. I have the black one. I'm very happy with the clear. I was very concerned, but again, it's the... You should have it. Get it. I think they only have the black version on the sale Yes, that's the only one that's on the blowout sale right now. And the CD, if that's something you still do, and if it is, that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) In my opinion, at least. Maybe I'm the one who's weird. No, 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 no. It's weird. I feel like with this particular thing that we're in, it's weird. So I understand tapes. Tapes make sense. Apparently, tapes are like... There's an article in Forbes magazine about the rise of, of... tapes as a format coming back which i don't have a problem with i personally will never i don't think i'll ever pursue a tape again if tapes are what i used in my car right i know but you drive a, a very particular kind of thing it's and it makes 20 sense years old and it has a tape player in it so the tape player just started to not work very well so that's that's an issue and if you have any tapes that are actually worth anything or are valuable yeah, to you, you're not putting them in there. In there but do you have a tape player at home? Like I don't. Like my car was where I was listening to all my tapes. It was great because I was like vinyl at home, tapes in the car. Let's fucking do this. So I feel like if I sold a very expensive double tape player at a garage sale. I may have sold it for like seven dollars. It was when it came out. It was extremely expensive. And I'm a dumbass. And I feel like I feel like now like I can't give anything up. Like I'm not gonna sell a game console. I'm not gonna sell any yeah, just don't sell your stuff anymore. <laughs> don't sell anything because what comes around goes around. And now like I'm in pain like and again, like tapes, I'm not, you know, like uh, uh, no, I'm not gonna. Speaking go. of which, I'm officially out of the Laserdisc game now. Like, I sold my Laser Active, so the Laserdisc player that also plays Sega Genesis and TurboGrafx 16 games. Like, I sold that. My Laserdiscs are going with it. It's time to move on from that. <laughs> that's... It's just saying, like, I shouldn't sell anything, but. But that's fair. It's a very particular boot, boutique, like, very narrow field of thing. Like, that was always, even when it was in the height of whatever it was, it was never more than like a very particular group of people mm-hmm. anyways. It's like, I'm not really doing anything with it right now. It's taking up room. I could use the money. And the room for vinyl records. Yeah, it will, it will free up. Because it's right next, to, in the closet on the shelving system that I have. It's next to the vinyl. It's right, <laughs> it's right by it. It can go there. What I like, so that the next format that I've seen, and I haven't bought any, and I will because I have a, is mini discs. I'm not getting into that again. See, I, I had my time with mini. If I still had my player, maybe because I had a really fucking good one. But uh, oof, I, can't, I can't. I still have my mini disc player. It's too many so things. I am excited about it, and it's a fucking professional quality mini disc player. So I have no fucking issues here. I'm gonna fucking play it buy the shit. I know that there are synthwave albums being released yes. on minidisc. 
I'm fucking excited about that. That gets me going a little bit. And it's like, I have to decide what I'm going to do with my tapes right now because the tape player doesn't work in my car anymore. I don't know if I'm going to get it fixed. I'm probably going to be getting a new car sometime soon-ish. In the next year. Here. So it's like, what do I do with these? And of course, like even knowing all that, Gunship released their newest album, Dark All Day, on a special two- cassette package of course they fucking bought that of course you did. <laughs> knowing all these things knowing that like ooh, i might get rid of it but it's, i'm gonna buy these i'm telling you this is the game this is the racket to be in if you're selling physical shit because this is number one this is where it's at this is where people are buying the shit and like there's so many fucking like little niches you get like tape community vinyl community mini disc community like it's ridiculous. If somebody starts releasing Synthwave on A track, I'm fuck I'm done. I'm done with you guys. That's it. <laughs> fuck all y'all. No, it, it doesn't make it it's not even time appropriate. I'm sick of y'all releasing shit on A track. <laughs> or oh who who's gonna do it on real to real? Then yeah, like who's gonna go for the ultimate quality? <laughs> we released this album on real to real, it's two hundred dollars. I can see it happening, though. Fuck, I would I can see it happening. God damn it, I would be guilty of it. Right. You know, I do have a friend that has a real, real player, so. Uh, Have you been to Young Young Joni? No. Well, (laughs) it's a sweet restaurant. They just opened up a bar part of it. It's It's called Back Bar. You have to sneak around the back to go to it. Inside, they have a crazy vintage system, like a Marantz system, Holy shit. with a reel-to-reel. And there is a certain group that's like curating music for their reel-to-reel player, making track lists and like curating it and doing all that. And I got sent a picture of what they've been doing. It's fucking ridiculous. I can't wait to go there. That is nuts. I really appreciate that. I, you know, listen, anyone that goes into great lengths doing those kinds of things. I appreciate it. I got mad respect for you. It's a very particular, very niche thing, but whatever, go for your passions. I'm a deaf boy, so I can't hear any of the qualitative difference between losses and MP3. Can't do it. That's really sad because the difference is so extreme to me, at least that it's like MP3 is the grossest thing on earth. I can't hear the difference. Like with vinyl, what I hear is the sound timber difference. And I think analog tube system kind of thing, like it I could tell the the tonal difference, but like as far as like depth of shit, I'm just forget about it. It's not it ain't happening for me. Anyways, that's us doing a very vinyl intensive uh episode mixed with a watch out for snakes interview sorry if you don't like vinyl <laughs> well you know what? if you're listening to synthwave you probably like vinyl i'm just saying it's it's probably a thing so anyways uh thank you for joining us for the very first episode of the paradise arcade again you can find us on all those social media platforms um there is no change from two poor bastards to um paradise arcade as far as if you're on soundcloud or if you're on uh, Libsyn or whatever your particular format is, it's all the same. Uh, so thank you. This is the first episode, 
and we will be joining you sometime soon. Uh, this will episode will play on Night Ride FM with some additional music elements to it, so watch out for that. Thank you for listening. This is Eric. This is Kyle. Check you later.